What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Wednesday, July 15th. Preview series rolling on today. We're going to talk the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. Before I get into that, I just have to say, hey, the grand opening sale at FTN ends today. So make sure you go check that out. And remember, it's three websites, ftnfantasy.com, ftndaily.com, and ftnbets.com. And across the board, it's been awesome. I've been placing a few shekels on MMA tonight. Uh, last night, I won some money playing eSports DFS. I don't know anything about eSports DFS. I just simply played the lineup our guy said, or or the so he didn't say the exact lineup, but the combination of players, basically, that he said uh, in his article at FDN Daily, and it won money, and, and, it, and it did pretty well, so... Anyway, go check that out. The sale ends today. FTNFantasy.com, FTNDaily.com, FTNBets.com. All right, let's talk about these Jets. J-E-T-S. Sam Darnold. I like Sam Darnold. As a football player, I think he is a solid young quarterback who last year really was not surrounded by much talent at all. A really poor offensive line. Not much receiving talent there. I mean, Jamison Crowder is a nice player, don't get me wrong. But otherwise, not much receiving talent. They struggled at tight end as well. There was a lot of hope surrounding Chris Herndon heading into last season, then was suspended, then was hurt, and got basically nothing out of him. Ryan Griffin caught some touchdowns, but that's... uh, I'm not going to... It's 3 for 32, right? He's a 3 for 32 guy. We're not going to read too much into that one. Even Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he did what he could for you out of the backfield, but man, just everything sort of anchored at that offensive line and general lack of uh, of overall, uh, you know, talent at the skill positions. They did upgrade. They upgraded along the offensive line. That's going to help Sam Darnold out. I do think you could look at him as a late round guy, maybe an upside late round guy. I think in one quarterback leagues, most one quarterback leagues, though, he slips out of drafts and is more a guy we're just going to monitor and could potentially be a streamer, right? Uh, could potentially be a guy who emerges this year and we we pick up along the way. We're going to monitor him but not draft him. In a two-quarterback league, by the way, I don't mind him as your third quarterback. I have gone that route. Instead of going the sort of let's wait as long as we can and draft Tua or Justin Herbert, Maybe we go a little bit earlier on that third uh, group of QB3s and grab Darnold. Because I actually have him right at the front end of that group at 24-25. So uh, not a bad approach there. Uh, Let's move, though, to that backfield. Because I mentioned Le'Veon Bell. And and last year, it was undeniable. You know, it, it was disappointing. It was disappointing. He was set up for a massive workload. And you know what? He saw that massive workload. He had 66 catches. He had 245 carries. The problem was from an efficiency standpoint, it just wasn't there. He averaged 3.2 per uh, carry. Now, I will say this. First and foremost, that was not Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was at 2.7 after contact. So that means that his offensive line was essentially generating about a half yard before contact for him. That is terrible. So it wasn't him. It wasn't like he was David Johnson not generating after contact last year. Le'Veon Bell, I think, was just fine. And he did what he always does in the passing game. He was a solid asset out of the backfield. And he had that nice little run, by the way. 
remember from week nine to week 12, he was a top 10 back four straight weeks. So a month of, of good production. And I will say this, people come up with narratives. There are narratives galore. And most of them, when they are narratives, are not true. This whole Adam Gase doesn't know how to use running backs things, I, I, I think that's a load of crap. He fed Le'Veon Bell over 300 touches last year. That is exactly how you use Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase stepped into a situation where he had a crap offensive line, and they upgraded. So we'll see here. Now, Frank Gore is in this backfield. I'm not overly concerned about Frank Gore. That being said, I'm not going to draft Le'Veon Bell as a top 12 guy. Currently, I'm ranked 16th, projects at 14 maybe, so I'm downgrading him just a little bit because I still don't think the efficiency is going to be that great with Le'Veon Bell. It'll be better, but I don't think it's going to be that great. But I am happy to take him because people just don't want to draft Le'Veon Bell, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with I'll take your value. If you're going to give me value, I'm going to take your value. Uh, let's move to these wideouts. So, Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perryman. Then the number three is very likely going to be rookie Denzel Mims. Mims is athletic AF, showed it at the combine. Maybe not the most polished receiver, but you get a guy with a super high ceiling who you're probably not going to ask to do a ton in, in terms of, you know, diverse route tree, that sort of thing in his rookie year. You know, get it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for Denzel Mims, uh, I, but he's got things you can't teach. You you can't teach the size speed combination that he has. Perryman has that size speed combination as well, so it is interesting. They go out and they get two big body guys who can get downfield in a hurry for Darnold. That's something they really didn't have. Anderson, not really that guy. Robbie Anderson, not he's not quite as big as these guys. Maybe. You know, he, he's a similar type player, but not, these guys are specimens. So you get that. And yet Perryman is is fascinating because for most of his career, he looked like he was going to be an uber bust, like the bust of busts. And then he put together a five-game stretch essentially last year where he was really stinking good. I mean, he benefited from an offense that was pushing the ball downfield. He benefited from injuries. You know, you had Godwin banged up. You had Mike Evans banged up. There was essentially nobody else there. But the the thing I always say, and I say this about the preseason, if you have the opportunity, you better take the opportunity. Like, I don't care if it's even against the third stringers. Take the darn opportunity. Well, Perryman did. In week 15, he was the number two fantasy receiver. He, he was 15th in week 16. It was good enough. Probably didn't kill you if you started him in your championship game with a 15th place fantasy finish. And of course, he finished second in week in week 17 where, yeah, DFS, sure. Anyway, the question I keep getting, because people are falling in love with that, and it just shows how recency-biased fantasy football can be. People are falling in love with that little stretch run and then ignoring the larger body of work, which I think is more, it's perhaps more important the larger body of work. Now, he does have the opportunity here. He has the opportunity. There's no doubt about it. But should we be positioning him as the number one receiver? Should we be positioning him as a wide receiver three for fantasy? I think not. Because I do still have Jamison Crowder as the top target in this offense. Currently, I have 90 targets going to Perryman. Uh, With his historic numbers, he's only catching 44 of those 90 targets. But he has 733 
and four and a half receiving touchdowns. His yardage total is almost the same as Crowder. I have him at 799, and then I have him at five receiving touchdowns. However, Crowder, 103 targets, 71 catches. The lower ADOT guy is going to be more efficient from a per catch basis. He's just not going to put up the yardage, you know, yards per catch, no. Uh, catch rate, yes. He'll be much more efficient than Perryman. So, not much appeal for Crowder, honestly. Um, I, I don't really, I'm not going to address those guys. I think Darnold has a little bit of appeal. Maybe Perryman is a late round guy, but in a lot of instances, I don't, I'm not seeing him last to the point where I'm willing to take him. You know, right now for Brashad Perryman, I have a round 12 grade on him. I'm not seeing him in round 12 in most instances. So that's kind of where I am with him. Uh, I mentioned Herndon. I think Herndon's being widely overvalued. Uh, a lot of people have him inside their top 20. I can't trust him inside my top 20. I can't even look at him as a late round draftable guy at this point because we really haven't seen it uh, to a full extent from Herndon. So when you think about those guys, if you are going to draft a tight end in one of the last rounds of your draft, are we drafting Herndon? And I mean, 2016 was okay at 500 receiving yards. He had four touchdowns, but I haven't seen it to the degree where I'm willing to trust that on a consistent basis. Are we willing to draft him or somebody like Jack Doyle? I'm going to draft Jack Doyle. How about Herndon or Eric Ebron? I know people don't really always love Eric Ebron, but Eric Ebron's done it more than Herndon, so I'm going to draft Eric Ebron. I'm probably not drafting either of these guys, to be honest with you, but if I had the choice. Herndon or Blake Jarwin, another guy who really hasn't necessarily fully broken out, but has had two eh, sort of solid seasons. I mean, 31 catches, 365, three touchdowns last year, but he basically equaled those numbers the year before. It's like he's just, and he's young, just like Herndon. I mean, they're almost in this sort of same realm. Uh, but Jarwin's played 16 games in each of the last two years. I'm uh, probably not, you know, like I said, I'm not going to take a shot on on any of these guys uh, because I'm drafting tight ends before that. But anyway, that's where we stand with the Jets. Let's move over to Philadelphia, and I feel bad for Carson Wentz because, man, last year he had at wideout, basically, for most of the season, nobody to throw the ball to. And we saw in week one, it was special with him and Deshaun. Deshaun goes nuts, gets hurt. Now, obviously, Deshaun's got his own things going on right now. We'll talk about him in a minute. But the nice news for Carson Wentz is they go out, they address the position. They draft three wideouts, all three of them with downfield speed. They bring in Marquise Goodwin, who, oh, by the way, has Olympic class speed. <laughs> so there you go. We have a type here because we really don't need to address the short and intermediate. You got that covered with Ertz, with Goddard, and with even with Alshon to a degree if Alshon can stay healthy, which is an if. So Wentz is kind of one of those sneaky guys who he puts up 4,000 plus last year with nobody. What can he do this year with, with more help? I like him. If I can get him, and and I think that the, the drafting public is sort of wising up to this and drafting him around round eight now, but if I can get him a little bit later, if I get him around nine, round ten, I'm pouncing. He's He is, there's typically like one or two sharp people in every draft I'm in, who at least sharp to Wentz, who end up taking him a little bit before where I'm willing to draft him, but um I'm not really worried about the fact that draft Jalen Hurts. I think we could see a little bit of Taysom Hill-type uh, role for Jalen Hurts this year. And then Jalen Hurts does give him this crazy upside backup. 
uh, if Wentz was to go down. We've seen him go down to injury, and I'm not worried about the concussion thing. That was sort of flukish last year, but but earlier in his career, obviously with the knee injury, and then you know really finishing both seasons on uh, you know out and and Nick Foles coming in. Well, they don't have a Nick Foles. They didn't last year, so now they get Hurts. If Hurts was to take over with his ability as a runner, he's pretty impressive. Let's just say that. He's an impressive running quarterback. He would be a fantasy factor. He's not going to put up anything close to what Wentz did with, does with his arm, but with his legs, very interesting. So I mentioned these wideouts. Let's talk about them. We have Deshaun, who you, we saw what happened with him. That doesn't have to deal with his fantasy value, but is what it is. That's a, that's a separate topic for another time. We have Alshon, two older wideouts who are both injury prone. I don't want anything to do with either one of those guys for fantasy purposes this year. I think the intriguing player is first and foremost Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager could lead this wide receiver group in catches. In fact, I haven't projected to do so. I have Alshon at 42 catches, Deshaun at 41. I have Rager at 52. I think that with the the downfield ability that he has, the role that he's very likely going to step into, he's a good player, and he is built, he's a man amongst boys. He could step in and be a really interesting wide receiver four with some upside. The problem here, of course, is that a lot of the targets in this offense are going to go to Ertz, and it wouldn't surprise me if it ended up Ertz was the top target, Goddard was the number two. I don't have it projected that way, but it wouldn't surprise me if that happened because Goddard continues to get better and better and better. So that's the one drawback with Rager. May not be the most consistent volume. You have a little bit of boom-bust potential, maybe a little bit of a better best ball guy than a season-long guy, but I'll still get some shares of him in season-long if the price is right. I don't think... I, you know, I don't I don't know who we see beyond there. If Alshon goes out, I know they really want J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to play that sort of role. I don't know if that happens. I don't know if we see John Hightower immediately. I don't know what Marquise Goodwin's role is. They have a lot of guys, a lot of bodies in that wide receiver room, so we're going to have to see how things shuffle out and who ultimately uh, really emerges on, in the first and second stringers to really get a sense of, you know, what might happen if, if you know, Alshon and, and Sean go down with injury, which it's my, not even really an if. I think it's a when at this point. And Alshon already is, by the way. So we may not see Alshon at the beginning of the season. We'll see. Ertz is a stud. Even with his numbers taking a hit last year, he was still a top fantasy option. You know, he he's not the number one overall guy. He's not going to be in contention to be the number one overall guy. But you almost ink him into top five. I mean, he was number four last year. He was number two the year before. He was number three the year before that. You just ink him in, even with Goddard on the field. I mean, he, he drops off, what, all, almost 30 catches last year? He had 116 in 2018, 88 last year. He still is the number four guy. He still had 88 freaking catches. So I'm not worried about Ertz. And in fact, this team runs so much 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field that they both can feast. Now, I've talked about Goddard before, and, and I, I think this is really important to note. You know, if I'm going, let's say I miss on my sixth, sixth round to eight round tight ends. And if you're not, if you didn't hear those podcasts, you can go back and listen to them. But it's essentially three guys, Zevin Ingram, Tyler Higby, and Hunter Henry. If I miss on those guys, because it sometimes can happen where, you know, between your picks, you just don't get them. All three of them go off the board. I'm then going to target in like the round 11, 12 range. I'm going to target B. 
basically four guys. TJ Hawkinson, Hayden Hurst, uh, Noah Fant, Mike Kosicki. Maybe not necessarily in that order every time, but those guys in round 11 or 12. I am not including Dallas Goddard in that group. And the reason for it is I don't want Goddard as my lone tight end. I don't want to have to deal with that headache. Yes, there are going to be good weeks, but there are also going to be weeks where he completely you know, doesn't doesn't do much because it's an Ertz week. You know, the week that Ertz catches 13 balls because it's going to happen, <laughs> you know, he's not going to do anything. So I want the number one tight end on a team. That being said, let's say I do get Higby. Let's say I do get Ingram. I am looking at Goddard in round 12 or 13. I will take him as my second tight end because not only do I have that, you know, chance of maybe he does break through and this team can sustain two TE1s on a consistent basis, but if Ertz goes down, oh my God, with Dallas Goddard, he is a top three guy for me immediately, instant, instant. So you get the implied value there. Let's talk about Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is an an it guy for fantasy right now. He's a sexy name. I get it. He was pretty darn good down the stretch last year. I mean, if you endured the first eight weeks of the season where we had to see Jordan Howard carrying the football, the Eagles insisting on using Jordan Howard, then it was pretty good, especially in weeks 15 and 16 when he goes third and seventh at the position the biggest weeks of the year. Effective after contact, 3.25 after contact, all around upside, you know, big playability, everything you want to see. Love it. The problem and the reason why I'm ranking him outside the RB1s, I have him ranked at 13, is I still think that the Eagles are going to bring in a veteran presence. Now, who that is, I, I don't know, Devontae Freeman, man, just take a deal at this point. I don't know who it is. I don't know what the situation will be ultimately. But I do think they're going to get somebody in there to take some work off of Sanders' plate. I currently have him projected at 231, but it's only because, in terms of carries, it's only because I'm not going to give 170 carries to Boston Scott. I have him at 122. Corey Clement's not going to do much if he he is on the active roster. The name to watch maybe is Michael Warren. Out of Cincinnati, very athletic kid, and... He's somebody who is maybe, is he the next in line, the next UDFA that this team has success with? Corey Clement they had success with. They had a little bit of success with Josh Adams, who's bounced around now a little bit. Michael Warren maybe the next man up. And he, of the three of those guys, may be the best suited to an early down role. I just can't see them necessarily leaning on him, but I wouldn't put it past Philly if they can't get a veteran in the building. So the difference for me is it's the difference of Miles Sanders as a top 10 guy Miles Sanders has more of a front-end RB2 with weekly top 10 potential. That means you could be let down a little bit certain weeks. That's the one drawback. That's why I'm not pushing all the chips in and saying Miles Sanders' first-round pick. I'm still drafting him in the second round if he's there in 12-team leagues. Just not going to do it in the first round. So there you go. Philadelphia and New York. The Jets out of the way here. We roll on. And tomorrow, we got to talk about the Steelers and the Seahawks. So in Pittsburgh, Big Ben coming back. Everybody loves themselves some Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson or James Washington, what do we do there? Can Juju bounce back? Is there any value to be had with Ebron? James Conner is yoked. But do we like him for football, for fantasy football purposes? How about Seattle? Russell Wilson is freaking awesome. 
He is awesome. He is really freaking awesome. Who do we like more, DK or Tyler Lockett? Is there any value to be had with Greg Olson? They have a lot of tight ends there. Chris Carson, undervalued. A lot to talk about there. In the meantime, do me a favor. Go and visit FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, or FTNBets.com. Any one of them. All of them. Do it all. It's great. Sale ends today. Get in on that. Also, appreciate everybody reviewing the show on iTunes. If you haven't already, I'd greatly appreciate it. Helps me out. Super easy to do. Open the the, uh, podcast app. This is how you do it. Podcast app. Open it. Scroll down. Click the stars. It's that easy. And, of course, you can review it as well. Really helps me. And I'm going to help you. So it's a mutual relationship right there. Uh, you can also follow along on social media at Jeff Rackle on Twitter and Instagram and use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.